It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Change makers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Parents dream of their children living a happy, healthy life. All they ever want for them is the best of everything. So when a child develops a drug addiction, it can be devastating. Drug addiction is a progressive problem and the longer one goes without help, the stronger the addiction becomes. People will do anything to feed the need. Today's guest, Linda Lee Henderson, has experienced every parent's nightmare, the addiction of a beloved son. She joins us today to talk about her journey through her son's addictive years. Linda is the author of the book, Wake Up Mom, Can't You See Your Son is an Addict? Welcome, Linda. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, thank you for having me, Joan. I appreciate it. So, Linda, let's begin by talking about your son. What was he experiencing before the addiction began? Before the addiction began, he was a normal child doing a normal life. He was ADHD, but I made sure that he had a a pattern schedule, a, a schedule where he got everything done and he had a routine to follow. So the better his routine, the better his performance was in school and in everything else. And he did a lot of sports. He was very active in sports and very successful at them. He played ice hockey. He played lacrosse. He played baseball as a youngster. And he became very proficient at golf. And it was interesting because I found the more on his schedule, the more he stayed in touch with keeping up to his schedule. So he didn't have a problem until he went to college. And then what happened, Linda? Well, at that time, he wasn't around me, and I wasn't, you know, monitoring his schedule. This is all about monitoring, Joan. And I found when I sent him away to college, he would be able to manage on his own, which for the first year, he was fine. He got involved in a lot of activities. And by the sophomore year, he phoned me one day and said, you know, Mom, I'm really having a problem focusing. And I said, well, I know, but you have to, you know, make sure you have your schedule for every day. He said, well, I'm having a really hard time doing that. So I sought out the help of a psychiatrist, and he prescribed a drug for me. Now, as a youngster, I knew he was ADHD, but I never put him on the then popular drug of Ritalin. I didn't know the ramifications of it then, but I just decided I didn't want him to be on a drug. However, this psychiatrist put him on the drug Adderall. And that's when he started taking it. And I thought, okay, well, that's very adult, you know, adultish of him. And uh, if that's how he wants to monitor his behavior, I guess I don't see a problem with that because he's under a doctor's care. And so I just did not have any warning signs whatsoever of what was to come. So you're thinking everything is going as it's supposed to. He's taking his medication that's prescribed by a doctor. When did you realize that there was a problem? Were there warning signs? Well, the warning signs I should have seen, I always dismissed as him not taking his medication. 
his sisters would say, well, Dane is acting very strange and this and that. And I'd say, well, you know, he is ADHD and he is taking medication. Maybe he didn't take his meds today. Or, you know, I always seem to make an excuse for him. Um, as a parent, I guess that's what we do. But it really, it really came to a head when he then not only went abroad, but he went abroad and I wasn't able to monitor. I, I wasn't even able to have conversations with him on a weekly basis. He went abroad and took his medication with him and then was writing me emails. And suddenly I got an email saying he lost his medication and I was going over to visit him. Could I bring more? To him, he, you know, he's really apologetic about losing it, and would I mind going to calling the doctor and getting more? So of course I did, thinking, you know, this is all what happened. But what happens as people start to abuse their drug, they need more and more of it, and they'll do anything to get it. So the lies began about that time. So unbeknownst to me, he was taking more and more of this, and I did not know it because he was so far away. He was in Europe at the time. And then it just went downhill from there. And when I picked him up finally at the airport, I could see when he finally did come home, I could see he was he was very sickly. Linda, what did this experience do to your family? You mentioned your daughters. How did this impact the family unit? Well, in our family, all the disagreements began pretty much um, as soon as he began to experience his health problems which nobody seemed to be able to, to find what was going on. And we would begin to argue about his financial situation. But the family argued constantly because my daughters kept saying, oh, you're sticking up for him, you're trying to take care of him, you're enabling him. And I kept saying, well, he, he's sick. And again, at that time, I didn't know what was going on. I was defended and saying, you're under the, he's under the care of a doctor, he's taking a prescribed drug but I did not know he was abusing it then. And so, yeah, the close relationship we had, it was, it was tested constantly by our disagreements over your brother. It's only now, like years and years later, that this whole thing has begun to you know, resolve itself. You started to see that there was a problem. Your daughter saw it before you did. And you're watching your son get sicker and sicker. When did he finally realize that there was a problem and that he wanted to get help? Well, even he, it's interesting because after I wrote the book, we had a chance to talk about a lot of situations. And I asked him, what if I missed? What, I, I, I've written this story about us. And I, I, I said to him, I still have a lot of unanswered questions. And if you can fill me in on really what was going on at this particular time. And interestingly enough, after he came back from college, and of course he, he didn't graduate with his class because of not having the correct courses completed and again that was due to taking this drug and he was able to get a job in in the city in new york city a very good job which he eventually lost but he said to me during that conversation he goes mom he goes i was i was taking a lot of the drug then when i was working but even then i didn't realize i was addicted to it so this took a few years for the whole collapse as it were to happen he lost that job went to work for a job as a waiter because he could get nothing else. And it all came to a head when he became so desperate to get his drug that he started stealing. Unfortunately, it was from me. And that's, and that's when I realized what was going on. I confronted him with this. And that's when he finally confessed to it. And that was 
That was actually March, I think it was 11th, 2011. And we all were there at the table that day. And we just looked at each other and I'm like, she needs help. She just needs help. But that's the first time I realized she was an addict. And Linda, what has his journey been like since that time? Since that day? Oh, wow. It was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare. At first, at first it wasn't. I mean, it was because of the, of his of finally recognizing that he was an addict. And I said, well, I'll, I'll just do everything I can to help. So I had to find a facility that would take him. At that time, this is 2011, Adderall wasn't even recognized as a drug that could really cause addiction. There was a lot of discussion about it and articles at that time. You know, all the articles that are out today weren't out then. So finding a facility that would consider him an addict became a challenge. I finally did find one. Then my daughters and I had to drive him down to Philadelphia and hope that they would take him in this facility. So we, they finally, after interviewing him, said that they would. And so they accepted him there, much to our relief. And we thought, okay, this is all good. He's, he's in good hands now. He's going to get better. And after 11 days, they sent him home because the insurance company wouldn't pay anymore. So they sent him back to my care. And I felt ill-equipped to deal with it, um, but I did the best I could. And we did establish guidelines and a schedule and everything. And he was able to get a job and went back to work. And for five years, everything was really good. And I'm like, okay, we've crossed that hurdle on with life. And then, and then unfortunately, there was a relapse. And that time wasn't good because Daniel, my son, he's such a good-hearted person. He was dating a girl. He wanted to donate a kidney to her mother to save her life. The whole family tried to talk him out of it, including me, but he was determined to do this. So he he went ahead with it. And as a result, um, he was exposed to drugs again, and that's when he relapsed. You said that you felt ill-equipped to deal with it, and I'm sure so many parents feel the same way. Addiction is a growing problem today. So what advice do you offer to other parents to help them navigate their child's addiction? You know, I I was a very independent person, always had been, single mom, and I thought I could manage everything, and I thought I could manage this. Um, So I went to some group sessions with Dana and attended with him and, you know, listened to the stories. And unfortunately, I didn't I don't don't think I attended enough group sessions. I didn't, while he was getting the help, I should have been getting help also to be his support system, which I didn't recognize at the time. And that's what I would suggest to parents, that they get support to help them through it, talk to other people, talk about it, and recognize that it's something that they need to discuss if they're going to heal as well. Because while the addict is getting all the help they need, the family has to be strong enough or the person who's helping them have to be strong enough to help them through it. And that that's kind of where I felt like I fell, fell down on the job. And I think that's such a great point, Linda, because when you're going through something like this, you do feel so alone. And so reaching out and seeking help and support, I, I think that is such an important part of the process. Oh, definitely it is. The first time he came out of rehab, John, like I said, I thought he was cured and not realizing how tentative, how precarious the whole situation was. Because an addict, I know now, is, is never cured. They're, they're always, they're an addict. It's a condition that's never 
solved, but it's something that not only they have to deal with for the rest of their life, but whoever they're with. And, they, and that person, whoever their support system is, has to always be there with them and for them. And you've got to do whatever you can as, as that individual to, to stay strong in yourself and in your family unit because they're always fighting it. They're, they're never cured. The book is Wake Up Mom, Can't You See Your Son is an Addict? If you'd like to get more information about Linda and her book, you can visit lindaleehenderson.com. Linda, thank you so much for spending this time with us and for sharing your story. I can only imagine how difficult it is for you to go through this over and over again, but I know the impact that you are having on so many lives. So thank you for being here. Thank you, Joan. Thanks for Thank you for allowing me to share my thoughts. You're right, it's always difficult to talk about, but unfortunately, I'm becoming quite used to it. And I really do hope it does help. It does help other people um, because so many people are affected by this insidious disease. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.